Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the body that was broken. We thank you for the message of the cross that saves us as we believe in it. Thank you for your grace and mercy that we don't deserve. We love you, and we're grateful, and we bless your name. Please speak to us now. Please open our ears. Speak to our hearts through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord And um, we're going to go through this, and we're going to try to go through a lot of Scripture, and I'm going to try to um, prove something to you out of the Scripture. Or actually, I'm going to try to share what I think the Scripture proves. I'm not trying to prove it, but I think something the Scripture is very clear upon. So in your Bibles, if you want to turn there, and if you have your Bible app, you can follow along, or if you got a sheet, it's Acts chapter 1. Um, verses 6 through 9, and we're going to read these together. And this is after Jesus' death, after his resurrection. He has been on earth for a period of days, about 40 days, I think it says, and he's been proving himself to his disciples. He's been visiting them. It says I think 500 people saw him after he had risen. Um, about And now uh, Jesus is about to ascend up into heaven to the right hand of the Father. And so the disciples, like all good, all, like they are all the time in the scripture, they are clueless. They don't know what's going on, just like we are clueless. God often is talking to me and leading me in a direction that I have no idea what he's really trying to do. And so I often am clueless. I bear witness with the disciples. I, I, I understand how they are. And so when they had come together, they asked him, the they is the disciples and the him is Jesus. And they said, Lord... Will at this time you restore the kingdom to Israel? They were going off of their prophetic scriptures that had prophesied that the Messiah would come and establish a kingdom. And that he would be the king. Messiah is a kingly term. And Jesus, he's not going to really answer their question. He kind of says in verse 7, I'm going to paraphrase. These are the words and I'll read them. But to paraphrase, he says, it's none of your business. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. See, we need to be concerned about what is our business. And the time when Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdoms, it's really none of our business. That's what the Father has determined. But we'll keep reading, and it says verse 8. He says, but this is your business. This is for you. If you believe in Jesus, this is for you. This is for the disciples then, and I believe it's for the disciples now. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I want to pause there for a second. I put it in red because Christ said those words and, and I believe Jesus. I believe everything he said. Some of it I don't fully understand. But I can understand that. I think we can get this. 
He says very clearly, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Receive power. That means you didn't have it before. You're getting somewhere. You're getting something from somewhere else. See, we don't have power in ourselves. We can't live this life in our own strength. We'll never succeed. It'll never work out. We, we can't reach anybody on our own. But if we receive power from God, then it's him in us. And it's not us on our own. He says, you will receive power. It's a fact. When does the power come? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he says, you will be my witnesses. You'll testify to his truthfulness through miraculous power. You'll be a testimony, a proof to others that God is real. God wants to use you. I honestly believe this. I think this is the only reason he hasn't returned yet, is his patient towards us, not wanting that, that any should, should be lost. I think that, that he's waiting for his people. He's, he, I don't know the times and seasons, and that's none of my business of when he's going to return. But what is my business as, as somebody that's, that's a leader in this church is that we need to understand that the scripture is clear. We will receive power. And so I asked a question. I said, what's in your bucket? What's in your bucket? What's in your heart? What's in your life? And I don't know. But is it marked by power? Is your life a testimony to other people? Do other people look at your life and say, man, I could tell God's real because of this person right here. Do you know God can use you in miraculous ways? And, and, and I don't want you, please, for the love of God, don't get caught up of any, with anything but the Scripture right now. Don't think about other teaching that you've heard. Don't think about things you've seen on TV. Please, just lock into the Scripture and go to those words that say, you will receive power and you will be my witness. You will be a testimony. Don't try to define what that looks like, how God is going to use your life to prove that he's real. But just be willing to do that. Because I think we have a powerless church. Not us. I like you guys. But in general, there's a powerless church. A group of people that don't, haven't received what he freely wants to give what he's freely handing out. And so when I say, what's in your bucket? It's really easy to tell. Look inside. Right in a few minutes, we're going to baptize some people over here in this bucket. We couldn't build a pool in here. This was as good as we can do. But you could tell what's in this bucket. Number one, you walk up and you look at it. Now, you don't have that luxury because it's over here. Number two, reach into it. See what comes out of it. I'm demonstrating that that is actually water by what is coming out of it. Is your life demonstrating that God is coming out of you? That people meet you and they say, I mean, he's weird. But I really think he knows God. There's something different about him. He proves to me there's something more 
to this life by the way he lives, by the way she lives, by the way they love. They're a testimony, an empowered testimony, because it's just coming out. I really wish, hindsight is, I would have put that in the middle and just splashed everybody. But, you know, you live, you learn. Let's keep moving on to Acts chapter 2. So Jesus makes that declaration. He says, this is my plan. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. When he says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, it's basically, if you were to look at the map, it's like extending circles of influence. So you should be a witness, a testimony in your family, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your state, in your country, and around the world. That's what God is talking about, expanding things. Well, chapter 2 the Holy Spirit comes, just like Jesus said. Jesus never lies, and he, he, he didn't. So in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came, and the people were empowered, and it looks different. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter is there with the disciples, and he's been empowered. This was the same Peter who previously had denied Christ to a little girl. Like a little girl comes up and is like, hey, weren't you one of Jesus' followers? He's like, he actually said a curse word. He said he swore at her. Like when you swear at a little girl, you're, you're, you're feeling bad about yourself. When you cuss out a little girl, you're feeling like nervous about some stuff. And he, he cusses the girl like, hmm. The same Peter is now empowered. It's a different Peter with power he's received from somewhere else. And he stands up with the 11. They had replaced Judas by this point. And he lifted up his voice. The same mouth that had cussed out a little girl, that had said a swear word around a little girl, denying Christ, announces to a whole huge crowd of thousands of people. Men of Judea and of all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk. First sermon ever. Peter had to say, hey, these people aren't drunk. I want you to think about that for a second. The very first sermon after the Holy Spirit came, he starts it off with, we ain't drunk. Think about that. When, you, when you're assuming somebody's drunk, have you ever looked at somebody and been like, he's drunk? What, I mean, there's a reason you're thinking that. You don't come to me and like, you never say, oh, that's a crackhead. And you're wrong about that. You know, when you think someone's a crackhead, they're probably a crackhead. Nothing against being a crackhead. I've smoked crack before I was saved. There, but by the grace of God, there goes me. But I know what I look like. And I know how I acted. And I know what it was like to crumple up on the floor doing drugs and shake and do this. Like, I've done that. I've been drunk. But there was something going on for Peter to say that. I just want you to think about it because I didn't write that. It's in there. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day, about nine in the morning. Verse 16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now, I'm not, we can go to the next slide. This is what was uttered by the, through the prophet Joel, the next slide. Again, don't think about teaching. 
that you've heard? Don't think about things you've seen with your own eyes. Think about what the scripture is talking about. Peter had to stand up. He was afraid to talk to a little girl previously. He stands up and shouts out to the city. This is what was prophesied. But before that, he's like, they're not drunk. Why? Why did he say that? Why, why did he say that? Think about it. It's in there. But what, you, what I can know for clear, clearly is right here, it says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Joel was a prophet who prophesied about the coming of the Spirit. And what I want you to understand is that God has prophesied. He has decreed and he has declared that his church, his people, should be full of the Spirit of God. They should be powerful testimonies. Every person in this room. And I'm going to show you through, the pro, uh, through Joel's prophecy of what he's talking about. So let's go to the next verse. 17. And in these last days, it, it shall be, God declares, the declaration, the decreed will of God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not just the Jewish nation, but on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Figure out which one of those you fall into. We could help you with that later if you need help. But if you're one of those, a son or a daughter, you shall prophesy. You shall speak the word of the Lord in some way. And your young men, as it goes on, your young men shall see visions. On the next slide, please. And your old men shall dream dreams. There's young in here. I don't want to say anything else, but there, there's young in here, and there's less young. Now, God said old men. I'll say less young men. But is it, <laughs> you're good? All right. That's what I like about old people. They don't care. <laughs> They've been like, I'm here long enough. I don't care. You're lucky I'm out of bed. But your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream. So what is this empowering of the Spirit? Sons and daughters, male, female, young and old, all flesh, it shall be, says the Lord. Verse 18 on the next slide, it says, Even on my male and on my female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. In case you didn't hear him a few verses previous, he says, my male and my female servants shall prophesy. Stop thinking about what you think prophecy means. Don't think about what you've seen at a conference or what you've read at a book or what you've seen in real life or, or whatever that means. But let's just accept that whatever this means is for today. Now, some people might think they know what it means and be way off. Because there's some people that use the same words, different dictionary. When they say one thing, they don't really mean the same thing you're saying. But we could say whatever that means, it's true. 
I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. It's God's plan for his church. It was prophesied in Joel before Jesus even came, spoken about by Jesus while he was here for his spirit to be poured out on all flesh. And so now we're going to go through in the next couple minutes, and we're just going to read a bunch of verses. They're not all in your paper about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just read because I want you to see that this is something that is true. In John chapter 16 on the next side, verses 13 through 15. John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. It says, and Jesus is speaking about the Spirit. I put it in red because he's talking about the Spirit. It says, he will glorify me. Jesus is talking about the Spirit. How do I know if it's God's Spirit that is inhabiting me? How do I know my bucket is full of God's Spirit? Does my life glorify Jesus Christ? Does everything I say and everything I do point to Jesus Christ? Because if it doesn't, I got the wrong junk in my bucket. My life should glorify Jesus Christ. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. For all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Holy Spirit reveals things to us. But the main point is that he glorifies Jesus Christ. And whatever prophecy means, it should be about glorifying Jesus Christ. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Verse 38 through 39. I'm going to read through a lot of different scriptures. This is at the end of Peter's sermon. We read the beginning where he said, hey, they're not drunk, but this was prophesied. At the end of the sermon, he ends it like this. First sermon ever preached outside of Christ. He ends it like this. Repent and be baptized. Right? You read that, right? I'm not making this up. Every one of you. Every one of you, God is called to repent and believe in the gospel. Repent means change of heart, change of direction, change of mind. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. There's forgiveness with God. Thank God that there's forgiveness with sins. And what happens? We stop there. So many times in church we stop there because we don't really know what this next part means. Repent and be baptized. We believe in that. In Jesus' name, we can all sign off on that. For the forgiveness of sins, sins, we like that. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What was the gift for? We read it in Joel. To be empowered. Jesus said it was an empowerment, a power that comes into you that allows you to be a witness or a testimony. For the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I believe if you're here today, God is calling you to himself. I believe there's a reason that you're here. Romans 5, 5. I'm going to read a few more verses. The next slide, Romans 5, 5. It says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Jesus prophesied about a power that would come upon you and make you a testimony Paul is explaining what happens when that power comes upon you. When God's spirit is poured into you, the reason you're empowered is because you realize how loved you are. And when you realize how loved you are by God, you won't have any fear. When you realize how much God loves you, you can share his word with anybody and not be fearful. 
And you won't be a jerk while doing it. Because God's love will be in you. And you'll be sharing his word kindly. I've shared this a few times. I just want to give an example. Trust me, I'm nothing. I'm nobody, and I don't even know how this happened. But we had church one time, and we would invite a lot of unsaved kids because I took that scripture. Our youth group was mostly unsaved street kids. We'd bring vans and cars up to different neighborhoods in South Florida and bring them all into actually a room just like this where it had a gym, and then we'd have church, and then we'd play basketball and eat pizza and repeat. But so we'd get these kids in who had no concept of God. Maybe they were raised in a home that they didn't talk about God. Some were raised in a home where they worshipped actually other gods. I've walked in on houses where they were like, worshipped, like literally the whole family sitting around an idol. This is South Florida island culture. They're sitting around an idol, and they were chanting to this thing with their eyes closed. And I was like, huh, interesting. And so we had all these kids in the church, and we're doing worship just like we did this morning. And I'm sitting in the back because... I don't like to be in the front. It makes me uncomfortable. So I'm sitting in the back, and as I'm in the back of the church, there's these two kids, and I'm, they're, they're just like being, they're laughing. They're like right in the back on this side, and they're laughing. And I'm going to use Caleb and, and, and his friend right here. They're laughing, and they're goofing off, and they're pointing at the stage, and they're making fun of what's going on. And I walked up over to them, just legitimately. Watch out, Jared. Come on, man. You got big legs. I walked up over to them. And I got right here so that nobody else could hear me. And I don't know why I was mad. I didn't think I was walking in love. But I walked up over to them. I didn't even know what I was going to say. And I said, nobody else could hear me. The only reason you're laughing right now is because you're still dealing with the pain of your mother's divorce. I didn't even know these kids. You don't open with that if you don't know somebody. I didn't even know if they were divorced parents or not, I promise. But that's all that I said, and these two 16, 17-year-old boys from the street started both to cry because God had revealed their heart to them. And it was really the thing that was blocking them was that they felt that God didn't know what they were going through. And they were where, where this God stuff is real. What's going on in my family? Does he even care about me? Does he know what I deal with at home? And God opened it up to them. And that does not happen all the time. And I'm going to tell you something. Every time that has happened, God has used it. But it's not like my go-to. I don't just say, hey, what's your name? Billy? Billy, your parents were divorced. That's why you're all messed up. I don't just open with that. That's not how I start conversations. That's not where I go to. It's not... It wasn't planned. I don't do that. But it came out at that moment, at that time, and those guys received Christ. Does it happen all the time like that? No. But even as I was sitting in the back, my anger wasn't a dislike of them. It wasn't I was mad at them. It was I was so mad that they were in the God's house, seeing people worshiping the Lord and and hearing the message of Jesus Christ, the one who has come to forgive them and love them and heal them. And they were so close to being free, but still so far away. And it made me so mad. And I didn't even know what I was doing. Like, I didn't plan it out, but I just went up there and I said that, and God broke their hearts because I think his love was poured out into my heart. 
And I love those kids, and I didn't want them to leave broken. Romans 8.11. On the next slide, Romans 8.11, it says, If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. I believe Jesus can live in our hearts. And I go back to this thing as as we close up and as we get ready for baptism. But you can tell what's in here when I bring it out and I throw it on buck. You could tell what's in here when it's dripping off of me. And people will tell what's in your heart when you allow them in. And you can be transparent about all your junk and all your stuff And they look past that and they still see that there's Jesus there. That there's the presence of God there. That there's his love there, his mercy there. And I want every single one of you to be overflowing with Jesus. One more scripture and then we're done. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. And Paul is, is talking about his ministry in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 through 5, Paul's talking about his ministry, and he says, Hey, my speech and my message were not in plausible words of human wisdom. Paul says, I didn't sound smart. There's some people, you ever talk to somebody and they sound smart? Caleb, Caleb, where are you at? You use big words, brother. But you know what they mean, and you use them well. I know those words, but they don't come out like of my mouth like they do his. You ever feel like that? You're like, I know the word, but I, I don't use that word. And there's nothing against being smart. We should study to show ourselves approved. We both have, and I love hanging out with Caleb, and we have a lot more in common than you guys would ever realize. But Paul says, I didn't sound smart. But my speech and my message, they were not with plausible words of wisdom. In other words, I didn't sound smart, but there was a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Don't try to define that. Don't even think that Paul walked up to him and said, hey, you got pain because your parents were divorced. I'm not even saying Paul did that. But I'm saying that Paul demonstrated the power of the Spirit. There was a demonstration. There was something that came out of their life. There was something real about them. It will look different with everyone. It does not have to be the same. But verse 5 is the reason. It says, God demonstrated his power of his spirit so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God wants this world to know him. I believe that. God wants to work in this world. God has empowered his church. So act like it. Live like it. Paul, in another book, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's an active word, like a constant filling. You're not a wireless Christian. You're supposed to be plugged in. Back in the day, for you people that are younger than me, back in the day, we had something very different in our house. Phones only worked if they were plugged into the wall. 
I want you to know this. Like, it was all the phones did that, and they had long cords. I had one of these when I was little. Some of you remember. Some of you think I'm lying. But it's true. Go Google it. But the phone only worked when it was plugged into the wall. If you unplugged that phone, it wouldn't ring. And they didn't get text messages. All right? It's a whole different world. But that's exactly how it is with you and God. If you want his power, you need to be plugged into him through Jesus Christ. You have to stay connected to him through Christ. And if you're not having power in your life, and if you're not a testimony of Jesus Christ, if your life isn't testifying to him and demonstrating that he is real and demonstrating the reality of the spirit within you, then it's either because he's not there or you're ignoring him and grieving him. I think that can happen too. I think I've done that before myself. God's been with me, but I've ignored him. God's challenged me, but I didn't feel like it. I was too distracted with my own stuff. I've been there. Doesn't mean I wasn't saved. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about I'm saved, so now what? Where do I go from here? What's my responsibility, and, and what has God given me for, to fulfill those responsibilities? Would you bow your heads with me? Would you close your eyes? Today's a challenge of drawing close to God, allowing his spirit to fill your life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, to allowing your life to be a demonstration of his spirit, of a testimony that God sent Jesus. Jesus said the spirit would glorify him, that your life would glorify Jesus Christ, that it would pour out of you and pour through you, and that people would know God because of you. If you would like more of God's presence in your life, and you would like him to use you as a testimony, Would you just put your hand up so I can know who I'm praying for right now? Keep it it up. It's all right. No shame in this. Lord, you see every hand that's raised. I pray your presence, your spirit, would fill us, flow through us, whatever that means, whatever it's supposed to look like. But the real deal to testify to this world that you are who you say you are. To show people that if you saved us, you could save anyone. To love people that are hard to love. To when we don't have the fancy words to say, there's power and a demonstration of your spirit behind what is said. That we would glorify Jesus with every thought and every action that you would empower us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you can start off every day saying that prayer and filling your bucket, taking it to the Lord. Right now, we're going to go and we're going to um, baptize some people. Amen. Hey guys, I'm Bob.